want to thank Eden for being so kind to me and um, I'm really happy to be here. Hello everyone. By now you know that we have been looking at the seven churches of Revelation as they are called and so far we've looked at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum and Thyatira. So today we look at Sardis. If you want to find Sardis on a modern map, it's about six hours south of Istanbul um, by car. And not much is left today except ruins and six Bible verses, which I'll read for you. Revelation 3, 1 to 6. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things said he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that had an ear, to let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. If we are to summarize, I know your reputation as a live and active church, but you are dead. Now wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again. Unless you do, I will come suddenly upon you, unexpected as a thief, and punish you. Yet even then, Sardis, some haven't soiled their garments with the world's filth. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Everyone who conquers will be clothed in white, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. But I will announce before my father and his angels that he is mine. What you have is dying. Turn back to what you used to know. Don't be caught off guard. If you stick with me, we'll have a party. One good thing about the state of the world right now is that it's good to see Seventh-day Adventists and others wrestling with preparation for the last days. And over the course of this pandemic, I've heard many different versions of what preparation entails. Now, everyone agrees that we need to be doing something, but there are many uh, variations or versions of something. I wish we could read the times. Hebrews 5.14 says that people should, by experience, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. John 10, 27 says that God's sheep know his voice and follow him. Ultimately, we can say that at the end of time, all God's people will look like him. It's important for us to be able to recognize end time patterns. As they say, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. God gives us clues to be able to understand the issues at stake in the great controversy. But another reason God tells us the future is so that when it happens, you'll remember that he told you. And this will give you comfort. I believe that in every crisis and world event, God has given us echoes of the end time. And we have to become trained at seeing these echoes so that we'll be reminded of his coming and that we will work the work that we have to work while it is day. Every world crisis has echoes of the end time. Good versus evil. The hijacking of truth and authority. Vilifying of, of minorities. Extreme selfishness, etc. But not every world crisis is the end of time. If you can read 
the end time echoes you can't be, be prepared for the end time without sensationalizing every world crisis so this sermon has two working titles and i'll leave it at two um, the first working title is it's not about the vaccine and the second title is end time echoes among some people there's sort of an insatiable appetite for end time sensationalism and a lot of bible truth has been replaced with youtube and tiktok speculation and i feel that many people have not developed their ability to read the end time patterns properly so i am going to go through our current world predicament and highlight the patterns we have to become familiar with um, as well as the work that we're supposed to be doing so let's pray father i just want you to be heard and so i ask you to use me and to help me be with all those who can hear my voice and i pray that they too will be inspired to do the work that you have for us in jesus name amen number one in the end times things fall apart irish poet william butler yeats in his famous poem the second coming writes the falcon cannot hear the falconer things fall apart the center cannot hold mere anarchy is loosed upon the world the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity surely some revelation is at hand surely the second coming is at hand i think everyone's aware by now that there's a pandemic raging through the world and has been so for almost two years fingers are pointing back and forth to the origin but the virus is here right now the bible talks about the earth longing to be delivered from decay and rot and it, it for it informs us that the earth is literally groaning in anticipation in romans 8. many years ago laurie garrett wrote a book called the coming plague newly emerging diseases in a world out of balance and this argued that humans far from conquering diseases had actually transformed the earth itself in such a way as to bring new diseases of all kinds to the fore as the climate changes new diseases are emerging causing havoc the center cannot hold but it is now it is how easily everything we thought was solid could fall apart that is not what everyone was expecting. Overnight, borders closed, markets fell. The concept of outside didn't exist in some places. Gatherings were outlawed. Even as the world struggles to reopen, many things seem to have been damaged long-term. There are chronic shortages of some goods due to disruptions in supply chains. A shortage of microchips means that many of the electronics that we rely upon now are in short supply. As a matter of fact, I was reading on a website called The Drive, um, an article which is entitled dealers are getting bored with no cars to sell and they were talking about a dealership which had five cars no seven two in the showroom five in the back lot and no more to sell this was a result of chip shortages around the world as you remember one boat gets stuck in the Suez Canal and that brings weeks of delay you remember that the world has very very narrow operating margins the world as we know it is not sustainable politically, environmentally, socially, and spiritually. And yet some people brush that aside. As I read last week on someone's status, nobody wants to solve the world's problems. They only want to make enough money so the problems don't apply to them. Things will get back to normal, right? Number two, in the end times, everyone is afraid. I guess I don't have to convince you that fear is on the rise, right? Um, because when things are falling apart, people are beholden to fear and uncertainty. There was an article in the Trinidad Express, August 21, 
entitled Guns, Guns, and More Guns. And it was an investigation um, that uncovered a multi-million dollar racket around firearms users' licenses. And it says that some businessmen pay up to $45,000 or more to have their firearms fast-tracked. And um, some businessmen in TNT legally have in their position, possession in, ex in excess of five firearms, many of which are assault weapons. And um, the Express, as part of its investigation, they checked the register of companies between October 2019 and July 2021. Over 50 businesses were established just to become firearms dealers. The spirit of fear is not from Christ. And the Bible is very emphatic about this. The angel always says, do not be afraid. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is precisely because God disciplines and guides us that we can find comfort. The only people we are to fear is he who can destroy both body and soul in hell. In the end, watch for the fear and do not buy it at any price. Number three, in the end, they blame you. As the world signals it doesn't want God anymore, God is not going to force himself on anyone. As he begins to withdraw from a world that no longer listens to him, all hell will break loose. The falcon can no longer hear the falconer. As a result of this, the world will look for someone to blame for all these things that are happening. I remember the first echo I had of this many years ago. I was working as a cashier in a store in New Hampshire. This was some years back. And so I was, you know, cashing out a gentleman, an older gentleman, and he, he asked, well, where are you from? So I said to him, well, you know, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago. He says, oh, nice, you know, and then he asked me about, what, what is it like? How, you know, what type of country is it? So I was telling him, you know, you know, how we have different ethnicities and different religions and so forth. And, um, you know, and then I told him, um, I had the percentages. I told him, well, you know, Trinidad and Tobago is about 5% Muslim. And he says, um, oh, um, and then, so he asks, is there a lot of trouble with them? You know, so I said, I said, uh, you know, well, back in 1990, um, there was, you know, a, a coup, but, you know, otherwise nothing. And he says, in an accent I won't repeat, he says, um, well, they, you know, they're, they're always causing trouble everywhere. You know, that struck me. That struck me. Today, people are blaming the Chinese. And for this reason now, there are many attacks against uh, Asian Americans in the USA and other countries. So as a Seventh-day Adventist, you might know this echo, right? You say, oh, that's us. But whose side are you on? Do you force and manipulate the people in your life physically or emotionally? Is there a group of people who you may be blamed for all of the ills that befall the world or plenty of the ills? Or you might have mused, oh, we'll be better off if they were dead, if all of them were dead, if they would only die. Maybe you see criminals on the news and they say, oh, those pests. Maybe if they could die. Those are beast fantasies. And a word of caution to you as well. Do not fight American culture wars. Right now we are told that, you know, um, we have this big brouhaha about, the, about people who are transgender. And um, whatever the war is about pronouns, Jesus Christ would never call somebody it or that thing. We have to remember that. And while we're at it, let's look at confronting sin. 
Confronting sin, in this case, is guided by the example of Jesus and his interaction with the woman caught in adultery. Her transformation was direct between him and her. And why did they bring this woman to, her, to him in the first place? They had their crime and they had their witnesses. What did they need Jesus for? They must have thought that they'd catch him with this one. They accused him of being soft on sin, right? And why, why would they do that? I guess maybe his morals weren't performative. Right? Did he stand up and rail about the evils of sleeping around and how destructive it is to society and family? No. He quietly called by writing, called on the men gathered to go and sort out your own lives. And then when they were gone, he appealed quietly and directly to her. You see, when you're doing it right, be ready to be accused of being too liberal when it comes to people and too conservative when it comes to yourself. We have to start seeing the great controversy in people's lives, like the woman at the well, because it's a war for the mind, and this is a battle that is won. The great controversy is won one person at a time, one life at a time. So if you aren't engaged in seeking and praying and asking God for the salvation of someone else, then you are not in the battle. Jesus went out of his way to fight these battles, and you can see he went far and wide to look for people who were downcast and downtrodden and who people had left behind. I want to say this another way. You know what con concern trolling is? So trolling is an internet term for trying to get a rise out of someone for kicks, right? So you, you basically start arguments online for the purpose of spreading rancor. Concern trolling is defined as the action or practice of disingenuously expressing concern about an issue in order to undermine or derail genuine discussion. Raising concerns that you aren't really concerned about or just asking questions that you don't want an answer for. And there are plenty of end time concern trolls, right? They talk excitedly and repeatedly about the end times, right? Any headline, oh, I said the world's gonna end. Oh, it's ending. The world is ending soon. Oh boy, this is real end times. But are you really concerned about the end times? If someone is really concerned about the end times, then their passion for the salvation of others will intensify. But often there's no real desire for the salvation of others, like the fall of Saigon in another era and the fall of Kabul, Afghanistan in our time, many believers are sitting around waiting to be airlifted out of this world. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. I want to say this another way. We like to say that we have a special end-time message, though I am sure everybody has their own idea of what that is. The everlasting gospel is the revelation of the character of God, which brings the curtain down on the lies told about God's character. Once people reject the lies, God's kingdom is restored in that person's heart. Remember that I said this is a battle that is won one person at a time. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The serpent Moses lifted up in the wilderness brought them healing. Man was made in the image of God and every human being has that imprint in them. And there is something in every human that responds to the call of God. And our job is to find the dying embers of God's spirit in people and to fan those flames to life with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me use another example. There is something in every plant that responds to the sun and to light. We are to shine on others in such a way that they respond to the light of God and continue to grow and grow and grow. And we have to act fast because as you remember from elementary school, when you grew your little red bean or whatever you grew, 
there's a point in a dying plant's life uh, where no amount of light can bring it back. So we have to hurry. That means then that you must be able to see the face of God in every human being. This is why you don't disparage people and call them names. Many people are losing the ability to recognize the spark of God in other people. And this means then that the Spirit of God is not in you. John the Baptist leaped in the womb when Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus at the time, came to visit, um, well, his mom, John's mom, Elizabeth. Um, they had the same Spirit of God and, they, and, and there was a recognition there even in the womb. You have to be able to recognize the image of God in other people, no matter how degraded they are. So how can, then can you post things online like, everybody who's not helping me get ahead is dead weight. Or, I only see about those who see about me. People aren't tools to be used for your benefit. They are people to be reached out to by the power of God to rehabilitate and to revive and to, and, and to bring them back to life again. All right? If um, anytime you burn with hatred for a person or a group of people uh, and you are ready to write them off as unsavable or unsalvageable, check your own salvation. And that is why for the thief on the cross, Jesus Christ stopped history to respond to the image of God in this man. Now, when we, are, when we are sad, we are usually blinded by grief. Really blinded. And Jesus was in a lot of grief. For the first time in, in eternity, he was going to be separated from his father. And in the middle of all that, he saw this man. He froze time and space for this one man. He didn't have to reassure the man and say all these words. But he made sure that he reached out to that man. He made sure that that man died in peace. What's your excuse? I want to ask you to pray for less selfish concerns than your own salvation and that of your family. Pray additionally that God puts a burden on your heart for the work of God, which is to restore and to revive and to recreate and make blossom the character of God in the hearts of even the world's most degraded and degenerate individuals. More end time echoes. Number four, in the end time, Everyone is free. But there are two definitions of freedom. Satan's definition of freedom says, I can do whatever I want to, whenever I want, and however I want. God takes a different view of freedom. You may hardly ever hear anybody tell you this. So I'm going to tell you this very carefully. God does not do whatever he wants. Freedom is whatever brings dignity to oneself and others even if you are required to limit your own actions. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, speaking of Jesus, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This idea that doing what I want is the real meaning of freedom has taken new heights. And I'm not just talking about people disobeying God's commandments. It was clear from the beginning of the pandemic that there were some people who were unwilling to make any adjustments in their own life for the good of other people. No sacrifice was warranted. I reign supreme. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. Very carefully. There are many reasons why many people might be upset about masks and social distancing and curfews and vaccines. 
And I am saying today that whatever anyone's reason for not wanting to wear a mask or social distance or get vaccinated, that reason that I could do what I want is the worst of them all. No Christian can stand before God bearing that reason. Explore other reasons. That impulse, I do what I want, is not from Christ. Brethren and sisters, think carefully about your motives. As we learn from the prodigal son's brother, it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. I came across again recently something that I read from Ellen White many years ago. And when I read it the first time, I was, it was the most offensive thing I had ever read to me. All right, it says, we cannot afford to let our spirits chafe over any real or supposed wrong done to ourselves. Self is the enemy we most need to fear. No form of vice has a more damaging effect upon the character than has human passion not under the control of the Holy Spirit. No other victory we can gain will be so precious as the victory gained over self. We should not allow our feelings to be easily wounded. We are to live to save souls, not to guard our feelings or our reputation. As we become interested in the salvation of souls, we cease to mind the little differences that so often arise in our association with one another. Whatever others may think of us or do to us, it need not disturb our oneness with Christ, the fellowship of the Spirit. What credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, when I get upset, it takes me a while to explain to myself why I'm bothered, right? So I used to see this as a severe handicap because when somebody would do me wrong or tell me something wrong, I couldn't clap back quick enough. So I'd spend the rest of the day thinking about what I could have said, right? But, you know, time gone already, Andrew. And sometimes I like to play with my students' heads, right? So if they're throwing talk in class, sometimes I'll say, now nah, you're late, boy. Right? You had to get the time in, okay? Um... But Ellen White goes on to say that if impatient words are spoken to you, never reply in the same spirit. Remember that a soft answer turneth away wrath. And there is wonderful power in silence. Words spoken in reply to one who is angry sometimes serve only to exasperate. But anger met with silence in a tender, forbearing spirit quickly dies away. Under a storm of stinging, fault-finding words, keep your mind stayed upon the word of God. So you see... When people do something wrong to you, you see that, that first initial that you get, that is the enemy. Examine your motives, brothers and sisters. Motives matter. The kingdom comes first. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 says about freedom, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And yet, number five, in the end, they try to force you. There is an end time echo that many people see in the vaccine issue. And remember, it's not about vaccines. Right? So there's an end time echo, this idea of forced compliance. And let's be clear that the spirit of 
force and coercion is not of Christ. Many people wrongly believe that the vaccine is the mark of the beast because, well, it seems as if you don't accept it, then you'll find it'll be difficult for you to travel or conduct business or keep employment or even attend school. All right, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, but on the issue of coercion, we do have an echo and you must keep listening for echoes. But number six, in the end, you choose your truth. Never have there been so many versions of the truth as during COVID-19. The Bible says that the, that the time will come when people will not listen to sound doctrine, but will follow their own desires and will collect for themselves more and more teachers who will tell them what they are itching to hear. I have had people express skepticism about the media and scientists to me, and at the same time, quote stories from the media and scientists that support what they want to hear. What really caught my attention to were stories about uh, many people who refused to believe that COVID-19 was real. And even when they contracted the virus themselves, they accused the hospital staff of lying to them right up until they went on the ventilator. So at the end of time, people are going to, be ver are going to very much deny that black is black and white is white. They will call evil good and good evil. It's important to understand the heart and character of God because we'll have to be able to discern right from wrong in an environment like this. We have to be able to say, God is not like that or God is not in that. Many people, as Hebrews lamented, are still stunted in moral reasoning and they're unable to reason from scripture. As such, under the guise of religion, they oppress and hurt other people. Never forget that in the end times, the nature of the persecution will be religious. Furthermore, we will have to choose our actions carefully. I can't stress how important it is at the end time to be able to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you will have to be able to discern certain things that otherwise you may not be able to discern. I'll give you an example of this. Right? 2 Kings 5 tells us about Naaman. You all remember Naaman? He had leprosy. He was an army captain. He was healed of leprosy by dipping in the Jordan. By the way, what a girl. You know, you are a servant and you, know, you don't want to be here working for this man. Why? Let him die. You know, or, 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 you know, or waste away with, with leprosy. But she said, no, there's someone who can help. 2 Kings 5 from 17. Then Naaman said, all right. So he had finished dipping and everything and, and um, he had gone back to see Elisha. He said, all right, please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place and I will take it back home with me. Now, in the people at that time believed that people's gods were confined to the land where the people lived. So he wanted some dirt so he could be able to worship Israel's God on Israel's soil. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple of the God Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elijah said. So Naaman started home again. So how come he gets to bow on the tree Hebrew boys couldn't pray in their heart? And Daniel couldn't do as Jesus said and pray in his closet. Was Elisha compromising? Was that creeping compromise? You see, the work of God requires a lot of listening to the Holy Spirit and a lot of personal transformation. 
Right? Not everything is a grand moral stand, and being contrarian doesn't mean that you are taking a stand for Jesus. Whatever the Hebrew, three Hebrew boys and later Daniel were doing, they were not being oppositional and defiant and offensive. They too were listening to the voice of God, just as Elisha was when he gave Naaman that advice. And finally, in the end, it's often too late. Story after story, we hear about people who refuse to take the virus seriously. Many people enter the hospital never to leave again. Some are repentant, some are unrepentant, but in the end, the verdict is the same. It's too late. Happily for Sardis and for us, it's not too late. Jesus says, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Strengthen what little remains, for even that which is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. Go back to what you have heard and believe at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again. I want to appeal to you, Good News Church and whoever else is listening, that as long as you hear the voice of Jesus calling, you say yes. Say yes. Everyone who conquers will be clothed in white, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that he is mine. Let all who can hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let's pray. Father, please help us to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Help our hearts not to be hardened, and help us to follow you. Thank you. We love you very much. In Jesus' name.